Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're kindly joined once more by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for joining the podcast today. Morning, Jonathan. Good to be back. So, Alan, we, we've got three equities that we're going to be discussing later on in the podcast as usual. Um, but to get started, uh, it would be appropriate looking at the headlines out there uh, to discuss and touch on the latest inflation data yeah. from the ONS. So it's a topic that we've been discussing in some detail on the podcast between us this year. Most of that has been directed towards uh, the the US. And of course, there was uh, some volatility in equity markets in the United States, which which actually um, caused a wave through equity markets globally. Um, But that has since um, quietened down. Um, after comments from the Federal Reserve that they were not going to be changing their monetary policy anytime soon. So now we shift to the UK. Um, We've seen a steadily increasing uh, CPI rate uh, this year, but today is actually the first time that we have a reading above the Bank of England targets of 2%. The reading was 2.5%. 1%. The immediate reaction in markets, if you look at the foot to 100, fairly tepid, up a small amount. Um, the pound did jump about 40 points to, to 1.12 against the uh, the dollar before falling back. So not a huge amount of movement there in markets, Alan. But I mean, if we start to see um, more readings above 2%, the Bank of England target, um, and, and possibly an increase. I mean, do you expect there to be volatility creeping into, first of all, equity markets uh, here in the UK? Well, I, yes, absolutely. I think, uh, I think um, if uh, we get uh, two readings above the Bank of uh, England's target, then um, some action will need to be taken because it will trigger uh, an overall increase uh, in in prices, but putting pressure on um, uh, homeowners and and uh, a, a public starting to get back to normal, um, starting to sort of feel that perhaps uh, with the uh, with the end of the lockdown, um, we we might just be we might just be on the way out of this. Um, so the last thing the Bank of England will want to see is any pressure on. Um, on 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 the on the consu- on consumer spending, and of course this um, the the number this month was very much driven by an increase in fuel prices, uh, which of course has correspondingly driven the the prices prices of the oil giants and uh, the oil companies. So um, if action is taken, then of course the brakes will be put on um, on on any further increases in those companies for now. Although as we're going to discuss with the BP. Uh, some of the majors are now really um, heavily engaged in their diversification into new forms of energy. So it might not have the impact that it would have had a few years ago. So just before we, we move on to discuss fuel and, and then BP, there has been, of course, um, comments around the Bank of England and what their um, potential moves will be. They did say back in May that if we see 
a rate uh, above an inflation rate above two percent persistently, they would be forced uh, to act. I mean, th- this would probably mean some form of of interest rate hikes. I mean, do, do you think that we're ready for that in the economy, Alan? And and, and are stocks ready for for an interest rate hike? Uh, no, I don't think we are. And and I, I think, again, it's the last thing the Bank of England will want to do, um, given that as we come out of lockdown and furlough schemes end, some companies sadly won't survive the um, the the, uh, the fallout from 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 the, the pandemic. So those companies um, and, of course, their employees will um, will, will be in trouble uh, um, and Obviously, any any increase in interest rates will only put further pressure on those on the on those those homes and families. So I think it's, I think they will avoid putting interest rates up at all costs. They may they may uh, seek to um, uh, impose further a further uh, tariff on um, on oil sales from from the oil majors. Um, I think the I think all sorts of um, options will be under consideration in that regard because. Of course, with the furlough scheme and the unprecedented spending and corresponding debt that that has created, uh, Rishi Sunak is going to be under huge pressure to recoup that money. Um, and uh, uh, I don't think I have any qualms about slapping further tariffs on uh, on 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 uh, oil prices uh, um, or oil sales in the UK uh, going forward. So, of course, I mentioned oil. I mean, one of the biggest components of inflation and, and the reason why we're seeing this tick up was fuel prices. Mm. Um, year on year, there's been a 17.9% increase on fuel. Um, that's the highest uh, jump since 2017. Now, of course, that's been driven by an oil price, which was at one point last year, trading negatively we're now trading above 72 dollars uh, on benchmark oil um that has helped uh, oil majors alan in particular bp that's one that we're going to touch on today um they were at their lowest point last year back in october trading just beneath two pounds down at 196 currently trading uh at three pounds 32 looking here on the chart so what do you think has been driving this in the short term, Alan? And do you think this move to the upside can uh, can continue in BP? Well, I think, uh, as I mentioned just now, what we've seen, what we're seeing with um, the oil majors, and this is BP and Shell, but, but I think particularly BP because it really threw a marker down last year. Um, the uh, the company uh, the, the company said this time last year, when of course we were in the middle of the pandemic, or the chief executive Bernard Looney. Um, uh, introduced a strategy to reinvent BP in line with a global transition to low carbon energy, um, and of course at that point we're in the middle of the pandemic. Um, but uh, he set the stall out and said within ten years uh, the company aimed to have its annual low carbon investment, um, uh, or, or it, it, it aimed to increase its annual low carbon investment uh, tenfold to around five billion a year, and investing into an integrated portfolio of low carbon technologies, including renewables, bioenergy, hydrogen, and and, and other and other new technologies. Um, and by 2030, uh, BP um, aims to develop to, uh, um, around 50 gigawatts of net renewable generating capacity, 20 times higher than um, last year. 
Um, and uh, also, at the same time, it will have shrunk its oil and gas production by 40% compared to where we are now. And all the indications are, uh, certainly from the, um, the first quarter uh, results in the year, um, that that is actually delivering uh, a, a progress. And um, and and uh, the the, uh, um, the the CEO, Bernard Looney, again said um, this qu- the first quarter of 2021 demonstrates what we mean by performing while transforming, which I think is um, a great soundbite, you know, for his uh, for uh, for for uh, uh, um, the CEOs to to, to, to take note from. Um, so that they the BP of course reported a profit for the first quarter of 4.7 billion dollars, compared with 1.4 billion for the fourth quarter of 2020. Um, operating cash flow underpinned by strong business performance. Um, and uh, the, the company achieved its net debt target. Um, that's reducing its net debt down to 33 billion by the end of the quarter. Um, and uh, they are the, the transformation that uh, they announced last year is not only well underway; it's actually ahead of the game. And that's why, if we look at the share price, we've seen such an, an incredibly strong performance from the group um, uh, 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 since, since the start of since the start of the year. I'm just trying to find that. Uh, that screen now. So uh, literally, um, uh, uh, fourth quarter last year, the shares in October were trading under under two pounds at one one pound eighty eight, and um, of course they've shot up since that time, and they're now trading at three thirty two. Um, if you look at the look at the three year chart, it's still a long way off the highs of uh, two thousand eighteen, two thousand nineteen, which of course. Um, up at uh, uh, nearly, nearly six pounds at one a share at one stage, but nonetheless, this is it's a really strong turnaround. So investors speculating last year at under two pounds will have done very well indeed, um, particularly as the company delivers a dividend yield annually, annually of uh, of six percent. So um, going forward, can BP continue this? On current evidence, yeah, I think it can. I mean, it's um, it's 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 fast moving into renewable energy. It's seeing revenues from that, and, and I think that was the big challenge for investors to take on board last year. It's all very well setting out your strategy and your store, but can you actually get out there and deliver the results financially? Um, let's not forget, of course, that uh, the results are supported by a strong oil price. So, if um, the chancellor does decide to slap any further tariffs um, on uh, on uh, oil sales in the UK or petroleum sales, then of course that would have an impact. But um, of course, uh, as BP is clearly undergoing a rapid transition into renewable energy now, it won't have the impact that uh, perhaps it might have done two to three years ago. Fantastic, fantastic. So you, you've man- mentioned there, Alan, the impact of cleaner energy. Now, this is a topic that uh, of course, it has been one that's really been at the forefront of investors' minds over the past uh, 18 months as ESG's grown in popularity. Uh, we've had a number of uh, asset managers coming out and saying that they're going to be winding down uh, investments in fossil fuels. I mean, th- this push towards green energy, when we're looking at BP, is this something that they are in line with in terms of their their business model or is it one that you you can see them sort of lagging behind the general trend 
um, in the rest of the industry because they have so much in the way of fossil fuel assets at the moment that it's so difficult for them to shift and pivot towards clean energy that, yes, they're making moves towards um, having a, a lower carbon mix of, of energy production, but it's just simply not possible for them to be as quick, as nimble as maybe the industry is demanding at the moment. You're absolutely right, John. I mean, it, it, you know, this is a super tanker of a stock. It's a, it, it's a huge company and, um, you know, metaphorically and literally turning this company around, it's like uh, turning a, you know, a, 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 the world's largest super tanker around on the English Channel. You know, it's a challenge. Um, but they are they are pushing ahead with this. I mean, 1st of June, they invested $220 million into solar projects in the USA. So, so it's full steam ahead for them. They are... They're shifting their revenue streams rapidly. Um, and uh, they stated last year that uh, by 2030, um, uh, that they would have reduced their reliance on oil and gas production by 40%. So that's that's pretty big. But um, I imagine that um, that's probably something of a conservative estimate. And given the progress they've already made, we may well see them deliver that target or exceed that target um, 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 possibly as much as a year a year earlier but of course that's speculation on my part but nonetheless I think I think BP strategy is working we're seeing um, the improvement in the share price reflect that um, clearly if uh, if there is a shift in the oil price again then that will have an impact but as as the as the vaccinations are being rolled out, and there is every sign that um, you know, with a four week uh, additional lockdown, after that we should be able to more or less get back to normal, um, and that's of course globally, not just in the UK. Um, then consumption will uh, will increase, and of course, you know, there's um, there is uh, an, there's an awful lot of um, uh, catching up to do as well. So so I, th- I think there'll be. I think uh, I, I think consumption will remain high, and I can't really see any reduction in the oil price for the foreseeable future. And that, of course, will filter down into the lower echelons of the FTSE, um, to the small, to the mid-cap uh, producers, uh, all the way down to the the uh, the, the, the smaller uh, micro-cap um, uh, oil and gas explorers. Indeed. And if there's any weight towards recent price targets from Barclays that have a a £4.75 price target for BP, there could well be further upside uh, for shares from this point forward. So definitely an interesting stock to be watching, as always, with, uh, with BP. So let's move on now, Alan. So this is a company that I'd say is probably one of the biggest UK listed technology successes uh, of the last five years. It's one that we've touched on on the podcast previously. It's Blue Prism, um, involved in automation and robotics. Uh, what's the latest update from them? What's been happening there, Alan? Okay, yeah. So we have spoke, we've spoken about this company a few times, I think last year, in fact, uh, uh, John. So, yeah, it, But um, yeah, I, I've kept my eye on this company for a long time. And um, as you'll see on the share price, I mean, we are currently trading at year lows. And as often happens with technology companies that have a groundbreaking offering, um, the, the price earnings ratio is often very racy and uh, and the company trades um, trades on um, great expectations, you know, if, 
is probably the best way of summing it up. And and certainly for Blue Prism, uh, some of the gloss has come off that um, in the first quarter of 2021. But uh, as you rightly say, John, they're, they're, it's, it's, they are one of the biggest uh, companies, uh, UK technology companies, engaged in RPA, robotic process automation, um, uh, with uh, with the emphasis, of course, on um, AI, artificial intelligence, and uh, uh, cognitive abilities from their from their their, their uh, digital autonomous software uh, robots that, uh, that that they they utilize. Um, so, practically, um, what it means or what their processes mean is that they will go to, I mean, clients such as Waitrose and Arla Foods, for instance, and they will. Uh, automate the process of buying and selling and engaging with customers. Um, they were very successful last year, of course, when in the middle of the pandemic, when everyone was applying for Siebel's loans, they were very much involved in in automating that uh, the the loan application process. And um, uh, the uh, you know a lot of people that apply for loans found the the money came through very quickly, and that was largely down to the automation that uh, was underlying the application process because of course an awful lot of checks an awful lot of checks and balances had to be executed very quickly indeed um, so the the company um, has undergone a, a, a bit of a a bit of a sort of a, a, a transition over the past six months. Um, we had a strong trading update in November last year uh, with, a, with a strong full year performance. And when the numbers came out in January, um, uh, the company again uh, proved point. Um, revenues up 46% to 140, 141 million. Customers up 21% um, over the previous year to, to just over 2,000. Um, they'd already booked future revenues of 312 million, and they ended the year with cash of 100, 137 million, up from 74 million previously. Um, and new customers included the US Department of Veteran Affairs, Bristol Myers Squibb, who are we, the Chinese uh, um, um, uh, uh, telecoms company, Thames Valley Police, Namura, Fremantle Media, Federation, the Federal. The Federal Aviation Administration, um, to name but a few. Um, in addition, they upsold 38 of their top 50 customers um, and saw a gross retention rate of 98%. You know, I mean, those are fantastic numbers by any standards. So um, it's a bit of a mystery to, that we've seen the share price fall. And I think at these levels, investors have got to take a close look at this company and get involved again. Um, there was a shift in uh, at the top last year. Jason Kingdon came in to take over from the uh, from Alistair Bathgate, who was the co-founder. He stepped down after eighteen years. Jason Kingdom uh, uh, took over, um, and uh, we had a trading update from the company uh, um, about three weeks ago. First half bookings up ninety eight percent, and also up up thirty five percent from last year. Um, the closing cash position of 126 million, and also their recent launch of the Blue Prism Cloud offering um, now represents 22% of all new bookings, and that's an increase of 65% on the previous year. So, um, so, so a, a definite strong move by the group into cloud. Um, and the company said that uh, full year revenues are expected to be at the lower end of the the guidance provided at the start of the year between 170 and 180 million, um, primarily due to uh, an FX impact of t just 2 million. And um, uh, to, to my mind, um, looking at what the group have achieved and the, the steady cash flow, um, 
I believe more than anything else that the sell-off is down to the departure of the of the co-founder Alistair Bathgate and uh, uncertainty over the group going forward. And of course, Jason Kingdon has basically taken on the business. The numbers are very strong. So I believe this company is due a, a, a very strong re-rating at some point, given that we we're now trading at, um, at, uh, at multi-year lows. So um, uh, uh, it, it, it's worth taking a look at the company. It's got a very good website where it explains the RPA process and the, the different processes they're engaged in. And um, I don't think you'll get a better better opportunity to pick the stock up um, than the, at the levels that uh, than at the levels it's it's at right now. So of of course, Blue Blue Prism. It's a technology share now. Technology shares, uh, particularly in in the United States, um, are. Uh, renowned for not conforming to historical valuation methods. I mean, if you look at the likes of of, of Amazon and Apple, Facebook, uh, Netflix, for years they 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 were trading at very high multiples. You know, sometimes into the hundreds. If you if you're looking at um, the the bottom line earnings, and to some extent that that is applicable to to UK stocks. Yeah. If you look at Blue Prism, um, Just Eat is another one, uh, for example, that we've touched on. On the podcast previously, a card I could probably be put into that um, that basket as well. Um, but I'm just looking here, Alan, and they're only trading at this point in time and on six times um, the revenue for the full year of of 2020. That they, they they didn't turn a profit last year. Loss after tax was was 80 million. Yeah. But how much do you, do you think that this decline that we saw uh, and and have seen so far this year? It is down to this shift in, um, you know, investor appetite for for growth towards value. It's, it's something we have discussed on the podcast in, in some detail. Mm. Um, that you, you know, the, these stocks that are really racing ahead on, on the growth figures. Um, you know, obviously those ones did very well from from COVID, and you know, had um, you know strong figures. We started to see um, perform or underperform those ones classes value. Maybe those ones such as BP commodity shares uh, and, and airlines um, that uh, that were really down in, in the dumps. I mean, how how much do you think that this move in blue prisms down to that shift from um, growth shares to value, and then that's really dry, driven some of the underperformance we've seen? I think that 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 is a factor, and uh, I mean, uh, it's quite interesting reading a broker note recently from from Canaccord um, that upgraded the stock uh, from hold to speculative buy. Um, uh, um, Blue Prism uh, is trading on a value value to sales multiple of four and a half against a sector average of five five and a half, so or five point five. So um, it is substantially undervalued relative to peers. Um, but uh, Canaccord also said that um, it prioritised sales over profits. So that's possibly um, that. Well, it, it's most certainly a, a key factor in 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 the mix. So the company has. Has really aggressively driven its uh, uh, it, its growth in sales, which is fantastic. You know, we've seen that uh, that um, increase um, the increase in, in clients now. Um, uh, you know, which uh, which uh, are up um, up thirty five percent from from last year with the with the the client numbers of um, up twenty one percent to just over two thousand versus sixteen hundred odd last year. So lots of customers. What the company's now got to do um, is 
focus on um, streamlining its uh, its processes and cutting costs so it can then turn those customers into profits. And I think um, if it can demonstrate it's doing that, uh, it has stated it it is looking to fine-tune its, uh, its processes going forward. I think once we start to do that, then we will see um, uh, the, the stock move back. But as I said earlier, I, I believe as much as anything else, the fact that the co-founder, Alistair Bathgate, stepped down after 18 years, after 18 years at the helm driving the firm, that's a key factor. And Jason Kingdon, as CEO, is probably yet yet to earn his stripes, as it were. So I think he's got to... He's he's the one that's got to deliver that change, and I think if he does that, then we'll we will see the stock return to um, to, to the highs that we've seen that over over, the, over previous years. And one I'm sure that we will touch on on the podcast again when we have a further update from them. So moving on now, Alan, to our, our final stock of the day, a uh, very different company in Carillion Diamonds, um, a number of projects. Um, they're working on in the development stages at the moment. Alan, what do they look like? Okay, so Carillion Diamonds, an uh, interesting little company. This is um, a company that's run by the same team as Conroy Gold, which is, of course, Professor Richard uh, 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 Richard Conroy, um, and uh, and uh, the, the, the team around him that he's worked with since um, uh, well, since inception, really, with uh, with his uh, secretary Maureen, uh, who's also a director on the company as well. Um, but this is a, a diamond exploration development company focused on Finland. Um, shares are currently trading at just on um, j- just on four p. Um, uh, not much movement today. Um, uh, against year highs of seven p and year lows of two p, giving a market cap of just two point seven million. So there's um, that's really just the value of the the the. Um, the licenses the company owns without any upside really for the for what's on the ground. So um, the company's focus in Finland um, uh, on uh, there's there's some very good maps on the website and uh, they are focused uh, focused on um, what is referred to in geological terms as a craton. It's called called the Karelian Craton, hence the name of the company, which straddles Finland and Russia, um, and it's a huge area. That's um, that's full of uh, what uh, what are referred to as kimberlite rocks, and these are igneous rocks that uh, often contain diamond diamonds, named after Kimberley, a South African town where uh, a massive carat uh, uh, 83 carat diamond was discovered um, in the nineteenth century, and uh, it triggered a, a, a diamond rush. Um, so. Uh, so, so this rock is um, is uh, frequently occurs across these areas. Um, the in Russia, the there are two um, diamond discoveries which are world class within the Kraton, um, both the Lomonosov and the Grib Pipe diamond discoveries. Um, they are very similar to uh, the geology in Finland, covered by the Karelian license areas. And indeed, we've got the firstly we've got the Lauterjoki diamond deposit, which is northeast of Helsinki, um, and uh, it's it's making rapid progress. Um, and once it's up and running, will be the first diamond mine in Europe outside of Russia, which is which is quite something. Um, preliminary economic assessments have been completed uh, with positive technical and financial outcomes. Mining permit has been received, um, and certainly to date, uh, with the work that's been done there, um, there are estimated to be 
2.11 million of carrots in the ground with a value of 211 million dollars at the present time um and uh the the mine that uh, will be set up there uh, will have something like a, a nine year life and a payback in year two. Um, as it sits at the moment, um, the PEA preliminary, preliminary economic assessment uh, estimates a net present value at the mine of thirty nine million dollars. So um, that's obviously well ahead of where where we are uh, with the with the company valuation. Um, in addition, uh, so that's northeast, uh, as I say, of Helsinki, um, in eastern Finland, close to the Russian border, remembering we've got these two Russian mines, the, the world-class uh, diamond discoveries. Um, there's uh, uh, in, there's, a, a, there's an asset called Kumo, uh, where green diamonds have been discovered there. And green diamonds are the same as normal diamonds, except um, due to radiation or exposure to radiation uh, during the formation or the geological formation process um, they take on a greenish hue uh, within the diamond um, these are very valuable and also very rare as well so so th- we have the Kumo um, asset um, and uh, they, they discovered a series of anomalies uh, a previously unknown kimberlite uh, body in that area and also within Kumo there are several other bodies Rhea Vera and Setapira um, which uh, are all prospective four diamonds um so uh progress so far this year uh, the company raised um last month um 600,000 um and uh, that's uh, in in that raising a a a convertible loan was uh converted into shares at 4.5p um so uh so the so, so the company is well funded for um its costs certainly for the foreseeable future um, and in regard uh, to, um, to to the uh, progress of the company, there was a broken note from Brandon Hill, which noted potential for further discoveries um, and uh, um, cited the discovery um, at Kumo um, as an emerging Kimberlite province, which could lead to huge value for the groups a bit further down the road. So, um, so that's really where we are to date. Um, and again, this will depend on investors' appetite for diamond stocks. But um, given that uh, there are discoveries just across the border in Russia within this Karelian uh, crate and the geological um, anomaly, um, I, I think at this level with a 2.7 million market cap, um, if you want to speculate on a stock that's uh, that's uh, that has some some really valuable diamond assets, and as I say, remember the latter Jokey deposit has a net present value of thirty nine million dollars. I think this could be a great little opportunity. So, when people are looking at this stock, and just keeping an eye maybe on the share price moving backwards and forwards, Alan, I mean, in, in your view, what what should they be looking out from the company um, in terms of the next instalment of news, uh, which is could get the share price moving well there's a team on the ground there now um and of course the the with, with the uh, pr- preliminary ec- economic assessment that completed for latter jokey i think any developments at latter jokey now towards um uh, uh seeking a partner for uh, to build a mine there or further developments uh, and of course further diamond discoveries in the kumo asset which is as the broker said is a potentially emerging diamond province um uh, I, I think we're going to hear more news from from the group uh, because they're they're there on the ground at the moment. So um, 
So um, we, we, we could, yeah, we, we, we will see, I believe, some updates certainly in the next few weeks. And I'm sure one that we will update listeners on when uh, when we get those. So as a recap there, stocks we discussed today, BP, of course, trades under the ticker of BP. Blue Prism has a ticker of PRSM. And just then was Carillion Diamond, uh, which trades under the ticker of KDR. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thanks, John. So just as a note to, to listeners, um, we're going to be putting some links in the, the notes of this podcast to some of our recent presentations um, from virtual conferences here at the UK, which do actually cover a number of resource companies very in similar situations to the one that we've just discussed there. So do check those out. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.